Company culture, no matter what kind of business, can make or break an organization. Get ready to learn how you can build a better culture for employees and positively impact your bottom line with cultural strategist Marcia Donziger, a longtime nonprofit and corporate veteran who has made it her life's work to improve workplaces. On this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark, and I am excited to have a conversation with cultural strategist and nonprofit veteran, Martian Donziger. In 2007, as an ovarian cancer survivor, Marcia knew firsthand how a strong support network was critical to her healing and recovery. She founded MyLine Cancer Foundation and built a social network, which now has served more than 300,000 people impacted by cancer. Awesome. At My Lifeline, Marcia was honored with John Hickenlooper's Unsung Hero Award and the Denver Channel's Everyday Hero Award. In January of 2018, Marcia led My Lifeline to merge with the cancer support community to scale its digital services in a groundbreaking way. Marcia holds a degree in organizational psychology, is the architect of the Culture Cares Framework, and holds multiple certifications, including Certified Behavioral Analyst and several others. Based on her background and expertise, Marcia now helps leaders and teams proactively create employee experiences that lead to better business outcomes. She recently released her book, You Are Meant for Great Things, that details her journey to help leaders overcome adversity. Most importantly, Marcia is the mom of 17-year-old boys, and I am excited to get into all of this. Marcia, thanks so much for taking time for me today. Thanks, Jay. I'm happy to be here. Well, and I know you've told it a million times, but I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your story of your journey uh, to to doing the work that you're doing today. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, I am a cultural strategist, as you mentioned, and I have been helping nonprofit organizations, especially since post-COVID times, really help them navigate all of the changes in, in employee and staff expectations of the workplace. They've been tremendous, as we know, leading to a great resolution. And um, there are so many different challenges that continue to evolve. And so I've made it, you know, my mission to really study what it takes for nonprofits to reduce turnover, to increase staff engagement in order to achieve their missions. And my background in nonprofit goes back to 2007 when I started the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. That foundation called My Lifeline Cancer Foundation, and that was based off of my own experience with ovarian cancer from when I was in my 20s. Mm. And one of the things I struggled with back then was how to keep my friends and family up to date throughout the treatment process. I always felt guilty. I wasn't calling them right. back time throughout my whole chemo experience. And when I did talk with someone, it was so depressing to repeat mm. the same information over and over And so a few years after my own cancer experience, I met Lori and Lori had brain cancer and we were both 33 years old at the time, Mm. but he had friends who were in the web development business and they created this beautiful website for her to engage with her family and friends throughout her treatment process. And as a friend who lived a thousand miles away from her, it was such a powerful experience for me to stay connected to her through her website. Yeah. Fortunately, 
she passed away at the age of 35. Mm. And I couldn't stop thinking about her after she died. And I talked to her mom about a month later. And her mom said that website was our lifeline. Mm. So that's what gave me the idea to start like that's a master awesome. website where all cancer patients could create their own personal private community of friends and family to help them. And so we launched in 2007, which ironically was the same year that Facebook launched yeah. <laughs> out into the general public. So, you know, while I was thinking about this, this wasn't like a normal way to communicate yet. Right. You know, but I definitely Facebook made it that way. But how my lifeline was different is that, you know, we had cancer specific education, information, resources, a calendar to post your treatment schedule when you need help, like rise to the doctor, help with yeah. the and we built this organization over a 10-year period. And then in 2018, we merged into a much larger nonprofit called the Cancer Support Community, which is a, an amazing organization that has 175 partnerships and affiliate locations. So, um, so that's what I did through COVID times. And in the fall of 2020, I became very concerned about the health and well-being of people that work in yeah, organizations. And that's sure. what got me to study culture, engagement, and how we can help nonprofit employees be healthier and happier at work so that they can get their best work done. Tell me, was there kind of an aha moment where you realized all of my careers kind of led me to where I can now make this step to help others? Yeah, sure. It started in college, you know, when I was figuring out what I wanted to do in my life, I knew I loved mm. people and then I became interested in business. So I got a psychology slash business degree because I thought I'd go into HR. But yeah. then I realized back then HR was very, you know, process oriented right. benefits and it wasn't really about the people as much as I wanted it to be. So True. my took a totally different you know, spin where I decided I wanted to get paid to travel. I became a flight attendant for a few years in my twenties, but I've never like lost the interest of what makes people tick and the total like fascination with business, both for-profit and nonprofit business. So I've had 15 years of corporate experience and 15 years now of nonprofit experience. So it's really pulling those two worlds together and culture is the, you know, the thread that pulls it all through. Right. And and to me, it's interesting when you talk about culture and I'm sure you've you've seen it that some people might think it's, oh, it's really kind of that's kind of a touchy feely thing, yeah. undefinable, it's amorphous, but it really can't have a huge impact on the bottom line. Yes. Either way, if you have a strong culture, that really helps. If it's a toxic, it really can affect the bottom line. It 100% does. And the research over the last 20 years is very clear that your culture will impact the bottom line of your business, mm. your success. So, so I know some people don't, you know, say still, I don't have time for culture. Right. You know, I'm, I'm too busy, especially, you know, fundraising teams and nonprofit leadership teams. They are too busy, but they're all, but we're at a point, an inflection point right now, post mm-hmm. great resignation, where we can't ignore the employee experience anymore because they will leave for a better one, right. even if the pay is worse. Like that's what it's getting to. People care about their own health and well-being now more than ever when it right. comes to work. You know, I always look at it that nonprofit is just kind of a tax code. Yes. That, non- that organizations, they're still very much they need to adhere to business principles. Yes. And culture is a big part of that. Yeah. And even if you have a great cause, that still yes. isn't enough in this day and age to, you know, retrain employees, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
I think nonprofit employees feel a little taken advantage of sometimes because yeah. they are more altruistic in nature that they will take a lower paying job and work very hard for that lower pay because they are contributing to their purpose. But I think those nonprofit employees are saying enough, you know, just doesn't mean we have to work all weekends, all nights without a break afterwards to re-energize and then re-engage again, even stronger. Um, so that's an old, an old model of management that's yeah. not working for the future. Well, this, this kind of leads me into the culture cares framework. I, I was lucky enough to see you make a presentation on this and thought it was fascinating. And I'd love to, you know, if you could give us a little overview about it and then kind of tell us how you, what led you to develop it and, and build it? Yeah. Well, a lot of companies and organizations, they don't have a culture strategy. I've been doing research for a second book of mine, and it's going to be called Culture on Purpose. And it's, and it's, uh-huh. I've done dozens of interviews now with CEOs and chief people officers in the nonprofit community. And when I talk to them, I say, well, what's your culture strategy? And most of them look at me blankly and they say, uh, <laughs> We don't uh, have one, but we probably right. do. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, because culture isn't soft and, and feely. It is measurable. It right. is effective. And you can met. And so the first thing I ask, you know, leaders to do is let's measure your culture. And an employee survey is just one way to do that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are doing that just as a formality to say right. that they do it. Check and you know that because there, because there's no action being taken after these surveys, give them feedback. Um, so, you know, the CARES model was created as a framework, a strategic framework for um, organizations to think strategically about building a healthy culture yeah. in order to get the business outcomes that they want. There's a total selfish purpose to do it. You want to have, you know, strong employee engagement, mm-hmm. high performance to reach those fundraising goals and reach farther towards your mission. And so the CARES framework is an acronym and CARES stands for commitment, appreciation, respect, engagement, and safety. And it's shaped like a pyramid and modeled after Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's the science of psychology and human motivation. And so think I applied that to the organizational model of motivation. How do you motivate your teams? And it starts from the base of safety, which is the S in CARES. And that's building a team that has psychological safety. And I, in mm. my presentation, other presentations, I'll go into what that is yeah. and then level it up to engagement, which is about learning and growth. Then you level it up to respect, which is your DEI initiatives. And you level it up to appreciation because a culture of recognition has three times higher retention rates. And then wow, the three top, times, three times. Wow. The top is commitment. And when I say commitment, that's a leader's commitment to measure the culture and take a strategic approach to it. And then they will get commitment from their employees to work as hard as they can to achieve the goals that the leader sets out and the vision that the leader set out. So it's just a win, win, win for everybody. Yeah. Everyone's ultimately my own like obsession is that people are happy and healthy at work. Well, That's what, what, I, what I love about it, especially I, I think of, you know, I've been a new leader in, in different organizations and you come in and it's like, oh, we need to do something with the culture. You don't even know where to begin. And this really is a process. Yes. Proven 
yes. you know, stick to the cards, follow the steps and you'll, you'll get their method, which yeah. has to be a great tool for leaders at any level of business. Yeah. Fantastic. So you, you've run a nonprofit, you started a nonprofit, grew it hugely successful. Um, and you know, it's a, it's a super competitive environment. So what are some of the biggest issues you see with some of the nonprofits that you've, you've worked with? The biggest issues are burnout, turnover, unwanted turnover, which is very mm -hmm. expensive, by the way. There's calculations on how much that's costing your organization. So here you're fundraising a lot, but then there's, a, there's an empty hole or a drain right. that the turnover keeps, you know, you're draining your money. Mm -hmm. So it's just like a vicious cycle. So it's turnover, burnout, and lack of leadership alignment. Those are the, in my research, those are the three top issues that nonprofit leaders are facing. And this is something that the CARES model can address all of that. All three things, absolutely. Awesome. So when you're talking to a leader, when do you know, you know, I could really help this guy or this, this gal? Um, I know I could do it. When kind of what are the triggers that you hear that it's like, oh, they I could really help them? Yeah, it, it's when I'm talking to leaders who who have a leadership team that's either not getting along well or having a lot mm -hmm. of conflict. If they have staff with a lot of drama and conflict, which I worked at various nonprofits. And when you see that, it just drains your resources, time and energy. Yeah. And it's so sad to me. So like lack of team alignment and getting along with each other, lots of, that is like the main thing. It's like, what's the energy like? Is it negative, positive, neutral? Let's figure that out and let's move it up the ranks so that it is a whole green light of positive energy, great relationships, collaboration, all working towards the same goal and understanding how their role specifically contributes to that larger goal. And I, I love it because like you say, this is something you can measure. If you do all this, yes. you can measure, you know, here's where we started. Here's where yeah. we're trying to get. Are we making progress towards there? Which is awesome. Yeah. So tell me, what are some of the most important things that you've learned about human behavior in doing this work? Yeah. Well, I believe that culture is the CEO's job. And so ah, that's a great that, line. That's our, that's our operations. That's our HR. That's our de department heads. No, no, no. It's the, if the CEO does not see that it's their role to create a healthy culture within the organization so that they can get the business result that they need, then I, I can't help them. <laughs> you know, oh, I love like, that. Yeah. Because you'll just be, they have the most, you know, hierarchical power yeah. that actually matters. And so they don't have to do all the work themselves, the CEO. They just have to recognize that I set the tone as the CEO and I offer, you know, and I make sure that there are resources available to, to improve that employee experience from all those levels I was talking about. Yeah. Whether it's diversity, learning new skills, career development, appreciation models. Um, and a lot of this doesn't have to take a ton of time. Like just the, the appreciation piece, right? You, you can say thank you, which is great, yeah. but you can also send a thank you card or something to someone like a little, something a little bit more than a thank you email actually goes a long way. 
um, and it's recognizing the good that you see within your team and just being a positive inspiration that takes zero time and zero money for a CEO. And that is, that is their job. It's to support their people, make sure that their employees are well-equipped in a, and in a happy and healthy headspace to do their jobs, which is to achieve your mission. So that's one thing I've learned. That's awesome. Well, and that kind of leads into another thing I'd love your take on is when you meet with, uh, say, a nonprofit leader who's, you know, on the verge of burnout, completely overwhelmed, mm-hmm. um, you, know, you know, and they really need your help. Kind of what's your first step there? Yeah, well, part of my role is to be is to come on board to a leadership team and help them as a chief culture officer, because it's true. Nonprofit leaders are so busy and burnt out. None of this is their fault if things are kind of falling, the wheels are kind of falling off, off yeah. the organization, but they, I want them to know that they do have the power to say, this isn't going to work for us anymore. So I'm going to get some help. And if I don't have the internal resources, we're all at our complete bandwidth right now, I'm going to get some external help from a chief culture advisor or officer. And that's what I love to do is to plug into a leadership team and really help them. Because if you have that 100% focus, the results I've gotten by being in that position are incredible. So for example, one organization I worked with for a year, they had really bad Glassdoor employer reputation Mm. reviews where only 31% of the staff would have recommended that place as a good place to work to friends Mm. or family. And that's really low. And in the space of a year, when they said culture is our priority, we have a person focused 100% on culture, then that went up to 76%. Wow. 2021 to 2022, 31 to 76%. Wow which is a huge indicator. When you ask your people, would you recommend this as a great place to work? Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, that it really says it all. You can ask them all these right. questions about whether management is supportive and all these other right. things. But in the end, you will recommend this as a great place to work if you think it is. Right. And so, so that's a metric that I really encourage that, that nonprofit leaders or any leader keep their, their eye on and their pulse on. One number I heard, which, you know, sounded almost conservative was when somebody leaves, take their salary, multiply it by 1.4, and that's what it's going to cost to replace them. So think about that. If you go from 31% to 76, think of just, you know, that is having a serious impact on your bottom line. Yeah. When you lose people who are in the fundraising team, especially they take with them relationships institutional knowledge and you've got to find someone new and onboard them. And it takes time to build that new relationship again. And it's devastating. So whatever leaders, it's devastating, especially they're usually understaffed teams anyways, right? They're just enough people. So what can you do to like ensure that your people are happy and healthy at work and that they don't go somewhere else? Because I think notoriously fundraisers have a really high turnover rate anyways on on a good day. So, so do what you can to keep them there. If I get, understand how this might work, somebody would bring you in, you'll work with them as their chief cultural officer, mm-hmm. you'll go up the pyramid. And then is it almost kind of like a handoff where it's like, you've yeah. seen how it works now. Yes. You guys, you guys have it and, and run yeah. it. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I could stay involved as long as they need, once they feel like they have their own sure. bandwidth to do it. Absolutely. I don't make myself like an independent, indispensable part of their team, but I, I give them the tools and the framework and I facilitate the really important conversations, which is kind of hard for an internal person to that's, do. That's everything. really hard. So get an external person who has just like, no, no, no drama right. with anyone, no past resentments or any issues and have them come in with a fresh perspective and facilitate these sometimes, you know, challenging situations mm-hmm. because it is, does deal with people, but it, but they're so important because 99% of your success will come from your people. What are some of the most valuable lessons of uh, leadership lessons that you've picked up over the course of your career? Mm. That, I mean, a a difficult lesson is it's never easy. No one has the exact answer to the right leadership approach. But I think if you go in there with a servant leadership approach, if you've heard of that type of leadership, Mm, it's really taking that hierarchical pyramid where the CEO sits at the top above everyone, flip that upside down where the CEO considers themselves holding the organization up. I love that. And removing the barriers and roadblocks from people. Um, Micromanagement as a management style is still hot and heavy, unfortunately, Mm, but it's not going long-term. And so that's where I stand for giving people, hiring the right people, giving them the right training, and then letting them execute on the plans that you've set out with some level of autonomy over decision-making. And it's hard for a leader to like kind of let go of control sometimes. Yeah. So, so, but if you care about your people genuinely as human beings and their health and well-being, you're going to get so much more out of them yeah. than if they, if you treat them like a transactional cog in the wheel. That is such a great lesson. Um, all the great leaders that I've ever been around, and I'm sure you'd say the same thing, follow a lot of that model where it's like yes. they see their job as supporting everybody else yeah. um, and and really creating that great culture. So that is a great lesson. I'll, I'll change gears a little bit here as we wind down and respect your time. But what is something that you will read, listen to, or watch today? Right now, I'm reading this book called Next, and it's all about reinvention in work and life. Ah. And my my own book, That You Are Meant for Great Things, is mm-hmm. a lot about reinvention in my life. That's kind of like the theme. And yeah. so I'm like studying the research behind it in the, from this book, Next, because I think as our society and technology pace of change accelerates, yeah. we have to have like an, an aptitude for for embracing change because that's just not going to slow down. Unfortunately, yeah. it's scary for a lot of people. Right. People are tired of change. Like just let things be. <laughs> but I think we just have to get better at, you know, adapting and having a mindset of reinvention when the time comes. Next, I'll put that on the list. Yeah. Okay. So who, who has been a role model for you in your professional life? I would say a, a role model of mine is Brene Brown. Uh-huh. Love her. Yeah. I mean, she's really universally loved, you know, pretty much, but yep. because she's such a great communicator and I'm very fascinated in communication as well in all forms from, you know, the trainings I do, facilitating leaders, leadership meetings, speaking on a stage, doing podcasts, but Ronnie to be very clear in taking my concepts and making them relatable and actionable for others. 
So she's, she's one of my role models that I look up to. That's awesome. Well, this one is completely unfair um, because I know you love all of your clients and all the people that you work with, but is there an organization out there that you really admire the work they're doing or would love to give a shout out to? Yeah, I love the organization called First Descents. Have you heard of them? I just did yesterday. What? <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah, they're fantastic. Um, they've been around for quite a while. I want to say almost 20 years, maybe. Wow, I know. I can't wait to learn more. Oh, they're uh, they're amazing. So they're out of Colorado. And their whole mission is to provide cancer patients and other young young adults with cancer or multiple sclerosis or something um, other kind of like chronic illness um, with life-changing and healing outdoor adventures. Uh, and they awesome. do through like um, retreats where you could go surfing or kayaking or rock climbing, and they do it for patients and caregivers. And, um, and, and caregivers. And caregivers, cool. including healthcare workers, which oh, wow, started that's awesome. after COVID. For, co- for healthcare workers helping people through the pandemic, they created these free retreats. Oh, that's outdoor awesome. Outdoor adventure because they know that outdoors is so, so healing. And so I, I love how, uh, you know, I know the CEO and some of the board members there, and I just really admire their mission and how they do their work. Fantastic. Well, my last one, if anybody wants to learn more about you, bring you in to be their great, next great keynote, work with you on their culture. Um, I'm senior, like I said, I've seen your presentation is fabulous. Uh, what's the best way to find you? You can go to my website, which is M-A-R-C-I-A-D, uh, Donziger, D-O-N-Z, as in zebra, I-G-E-R.com. Or you could find me on LinkedIn. And I'd love to connect. Awesome. I'll put all that in the show notes. Marcia, keep up the great work. Um, I find your career path is super inspiring. Uh, love the CARES model and wish you all the best. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Marcia for sharing her insights and her culture CARES model. This podcast was brought to you by JC Charity Services. As a leader, you know your why. I'd love to talk to you about bolstering your how to help you and your team achieve your goals. You can find me at makingourworldbetter.com. To learn more about Marcia and how you can work with her, visit marciadonziger.com and find her on LinkedIn. Check the show notes for links. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better.